1: Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant Black woman magic mind
0: and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. go. Happy Juneteenth.
1: Uh, Happy Juneteenth observed federal (laughs) holiday
0: day. Exactly. I'm I'm still getting used to that one. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up in Texas, we used mm-hmm. to go to like these Juneteenth parades or like these weekend festivals. And it was just like a very black centric holiday. Mm-hmm. It was never talked about when I went back to school, mm-hmm. but it was just this thing that we just knew amongst ourselves. I, I think it's a farming.
1: Um, that this has happened. And you know what? Let's just make this a teachable moment because you know we we have a lot of different types of people who listen to us and our shenanigans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in seriousness, Juneteenth, it is an acknowledgement of June 19th, 1865, when thousands of human beings who had been enslaved would learn more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed that they were free. Mm-hmm. So shout out to all of the descendants of the resilient, amazing people who survived all of that. Yeah. You know, we underestimate the capacity of our hearts to make room to care about more than just one thing at once. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just like what we said before. Yay. Me doesn't mean boo you. You know, I I can fit it all into my heart at the same time. So I'm just telling you, if you are a person who is not a Black American and who is a, not a descendant of human beings who were enslaved against their will, um, this is this is still an important holiday for you, too, because we literally stand beneath the shade of trees we did not plant, literally stand in the shade of buildings we did not build. So and, and if and if that isn't enough to make you say, you know what, yeah, this is probably reasonable to have this as a federal holiday no check yourself Mm -hmm. let's talk about Mahalia Mahalia is a whole entire pride month vibe she is she is absolutely spectacular today (laughs) I mean and you know what you're not even fighting me on it because you know she looked good
0: I, you know, I, I can't even deny it. If I could get a co-sponsorship or like something for Shine and Jam, you know, because <laughs> mm. this foam has literally given me my entire life. Wow, so. it is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I if I didn't know you,
1: I would think that you had like a a crochet weave. Mm. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a, it's not shade. It just, it, it's so perfect that it just looks like you know. You sewed it on in. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, that is literally the greatest compliment that one can give is that your hair looks like a wake <laughs> <But, laughs> You know, you you made a statement that prompted some thoughts for me, which is we we stand in the, under the shade of trees we did not plant, which, you know, I'm still on this uh, obsession with trees and, and wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> okay so in my spare time instead of reading about medicine i read about plants and you know this is probably old news for most folks who've been in the bay area but forgive me i'm I'm behind but there are so many eucalyptus trees in Mm. the bay area and um, they're actually non-native to california they were imported from australia in the Mm. late 1800s it's been this decades long like point of controversy because while i think that they are absolutely gorgeous trees, you know, they were planted in such a way that it actually killed off a lot of the native wildlife species Mm. because they grow so fast and they absorb so much water um, and take up so much space that kind of crowds out the other wildlife. Mm. The other thing is that they're highly flammable. Apparently, you know, they shed bark very easily. The wax and the leaves is very flammable. Wow. And so it's been like this kind of point of contention, whether or not cut down the eucalyptus trees, number one, to help abate forest fires and also like yeah. allow some of the native species to to come in. But you know, like, like many healthy wow. debates, there's, there's room for arguments on both sides, but I'm here you for the knowledge. Nerding,
1: you are nerding all the way out with the trees. <laughs> I am not mad at that. Maybe they can um, bring in some koala bears. Does that help?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's hilarious because that's like a, a running joke. Around <laughs> really? debate. Yeah. So
1: uh, we'll see minds think alike. Exactly. Okay. This is the only last tiny thing I, I have. And it is that, do you ever run across something that you wrote or said or did years ago or before even months ago, but you have since been enlightened about something and you're like, ah, that's so cringy. Never. No, like, oh, yeah, that's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. All the time. <laughs>
1: So people may notice that we usually say people who were enslaved, mm-hmm. human beings who were enslaved against their will, but that was not always the language that I used. I used to use the language slaves. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a descendant of slaves. I'm not a descendant of slaves though. I'm a descendant of human beings who were brought here against their will and who were then enslaved by other human beings who Mm -hmm. thought that was a good idea, right? So I don't know what I was, for some reason, I think I was walking my dog like um, a week or two ago and I was listening to one of our very first episodes. I think our very first episode of this Mm. podcast. So um, my enlightenment has clearly happened since we started this podcast because I described myself as a descendant of slaves. Mm. And I just want to recall that statement. (laughs) You are 2022, man, (laughs) man. And I just, you know, so I'm I'm just asking anybody who listens to our podcast. This is actually not the me part. This is just going forward for all of us. Do not refer to human beings who were enslaved as slaves. Nobody's a slave. Yeah. An artist who was enslaved, a dancer who was enslaved. Yes. A mother who was enslaved.
0: Human first language. Let's apply it everywhere.
1: Everywhere. Even things that are throwbacks. Oh, I feel so much now that I got that off my chest.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, I already told you that you've given me plenty of anxiety and set the bar way too high for me mm-hmm. to do the introduction for you. All right, all right. All right. All right. But I am going to speak from the heart and <laughs> say that there is no greater joy for me than waking up on a Monday knowing that Dr. Manning is going to be telling the story for the podcast. So. Sis, what's,
1: what's the what? I will give you an option because I, I always, some days, like to give you options. Okay. The first what is fellowship. Mm. Okay. Um, the second what is backstory. <sighs> okay. That's tough. They are two very different stories.
0: Mm. You're going to choose your own adventure again today, sis. Okay. I think I'm going to go with fellowship because I think I felt my heart flutter a little bit and I need, I feel All like right. I need a like a pick me up.
1: Not to okay. say that
0: I am expecting the story to be that. <laughs> no, I'm no it's okay. No, that's
1: okay. good. That's good. And, and actually it takes pressure off of me because just like last time, I'm going to go back to the other one again. <laughs> <laughs> So um, this story goes back to about 2013,
0: 2014.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I was already a full grown faculty member and I was precepting in the primary care center one day. And one of the things um, that I always uh, try hard to do when I'm precepting in the primary care center and I walk into a room of a patient where I know I'm only going to be in there for like a minute or two is I'm always looking for ways to quickly build rapport and build connection. And I'll, I'll sort of model that, you know, for mm-hmm. the residents, like to find something to humanize the patient right away, rather than just coming in saying something about your blood pressure and walking out. Right. Yeah. Um, the significance about this time frame, though, is that um, 2013, 2014 um, is, is after my sister Deanna had passed away. Um, and, you know, it, that was a new normal for me. I was, doing fine at work. Um, but like anybody who's lost an important person, they're always sort of, um, kind of riding along with you on in the front of your heart and not in the back of your heart. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was particularly of importance then because it wasn't had been that long. So on this day, um, this resident presented this patient to me, it was very, very straightforward. Um, this gentleman who, uh, had high blood pressure, he had hyperlipidemia, and you know, it was all very well controlled. He was, he hadn't been seen for more than like six months. He just needed refills. He was adherent to everything. And the, the resident even described this patient. as like, wow, this is just one of my absolute favorite patients. You know, he's a little quiet today, but you know, he's, he's such a great guy. You'll love him. Mm-hmm. I've never met the patient before. So when I walk into the room uh, to see the patient, there's this elderly gentleman sitting there he smiles and he has like the the gold dental work in ornamentation Mm -hmm. on the back of his teeth so you know you could tell that gives you an idea of some age his skin was like espresso it was the most beautiful dark brown skin with like very few wrinkles but it was thrown into relief by the gray of his hair he had gray facial hair and these sort of gray temples that you could see coming through and gray eyebrows even I used to really a quite a sight. And it's something about just seeing him immediately made me happy. But one of the most striking things about him was that I immediately stepped in a room and felt a melancholy. Though my resident had described him as quiet. It was very clear in the way that she described it, that 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 was not quite like him, but he was still adhering to his medications and in there. And she had done a, you know, a screen for um, depression and it didn't seem like he was depressed or anything. So I say to him, Hey, sir, you know, uh, my name is Dr. Manning. I'm one of the senior doctors here in the clinic. It's good to see you today. And his response was, it's good to be seen. (laughs) Then, you know, if you black, you know, the rest of that statement, it's good to be seen and not viewed in a casket yeah and some people say that in jest with a little chuckle but he wasn't chuckling when he said it and I said yes sir you're right about that I'm glad you made it here today and he said yeah me too so you know we talk a little bit about his blood pressure and about everything it was absolutely uneventful what to say um and I just kept feeling like I needed to not step out of his room until trying to get to a little bit more of who he is so I, I kind of gave him a glance and tried to see if there was something that I could connect with him on. And one of the things that I noticed was that he was wearing a baseball cap and it was this like really weathered old cap. It was a U.S. army cap and it says special forces on it. And then it had like a little pin in the side that was a ranger pin. Mm-hmm. My husband, Harry is a ranger. He's ranger qualified. And I know you work at the VA, so you deeply appreciate things like this. Yeah. Now it's weird though in Atlanta with our really robust VA hospital to have somebody in our clinic who's a veteran. So I pointed at his hat and I said, "Wow, special forces and ranger qualified. Are you a veteran?" And he touched his hand to his hat and he said, "No, I'm not. This oh. is my brother this is my brother's hat." Mm. And I said, "Oh." He said, "You know, I don't even know why I put it on this morning. I guess it was just a, a day that he was heavy on my mind today and immediately i knew why he was sad and Mm -hmm. i was like oh and i said uh your brother um special forces ranger qualified he said oh yeah my brother my brother was something else and then i realized he was using past tense and i was like um tell me about your brother and he says well and he just kind of like Chuckled a little bit and shook his head. And he's like, My brother was the very best of all of us. He was just the best. He's like, You know, he passed in 10. Um, and uh, he was just one of these people that everybody could agree on liking. He just always would remember you. He always had a kind word, but he had enough mischief in him to make him fun to be around. He was just the very, very best person. And I was like, Wow. Was he older than you or younger than you? He was like, we wasn't but a year apart. I'm older. Um, but it was like he was the older one. And I was like, oh, wow. I said, so your, your brother transitioned in 10? And he was like, yep. And I miss him every single day. And he kind of did this thing where he widened his eyes because he was getting emotional and he kind of mm-hmm. shook his head. And he was like, I don't even, he said, it's, it's been a while. I don't even know why I'm, I get like this. He said, I'm sorry. And I said, uh, what was your brother's name? And he said, uh, Nathaniel. And I said, I love how Black people say Nathaniel. They put an A on the nay. Nathaniel, (laughs) we just laughed, and we laughed about it. He said, yep, my mama just liked how his name sounded in her mouth. So she always made sure we called him by his whole name. We always called him Nathaniel. We never shortened it. And I said, well, Nathaniel sounds like a really good person for me to have met. And he was like, he was more than amazing. And at that point, his eyes welled all the way up and he blinked and a tear fell. And at this point, I I sort of was trying to decide what to do. So I had, I still hadn't only been, I'd only been in the room less than two minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you know, what do I do? Do I touch his hand? Do I say, I'm sorry about something that happened four years ago? Do I ask more questions about Nathaniel? And before I could say anything, he He looks at me and he just says, you know, I don't lost a lot of people in my life, but there is something about losing your sibling that just don't ever, it just seemed like something like a hole is in the world and it just ain't never been right again. And he said, I'm okay. I do fine. I just, it's just something that ain't right. And so at that moment, I decided that I would tell him that I lost a sibling. Mm -hmm. So I looked at him and I said, I wish I didn't know how you feel. And at that point, he he fixed his eyes on me. And it was his eyes beckoned to me to go on. You know, I said, uh, I, saw, I lost a sister um, less than two years ago. <clears throat> And um, how you describe Nathaniel is a lot about how I feel. And that day I was wearing her Tuskegee University alumni lapel pin. I Mm. said, you know, I put this lapel pin on today and I wasn't, even I looked all over for it to put it on and I just wasn't even sure why. And he was like, yeah. He said, what was her name? And I said, her name was Deanna. And he said, what was she like? And I said, she was like the sun. And he was like, "Wow!" And he didn't say anything else. We just kind of stood in it, you know. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I chose the word fellowship is because I believe that there is there are a few things that come close to the fellowship of suffering.
0: Yeah, mm.
1: fellowship of suffering. Now there are emotional narcissists who. Immediately tell you about what's going on with them the minute minute you try to tell them something. Yeah, <laughs> but there is some unique space that I definitely learned about when my sister passed this this fellowship of suffering, where you start to find out that people actually know exactly how you feel, and there's so much when you're suffering that you can't put your finger on. Yeah, you know, here I was looking for ways to pathologize how he felt that day he just missed Nathaniel that day. It really wasn't any magic word to say. It wasn't anything I could be like, Nathaniel, if this is going to be better and let me give you this SSRI, <laughs> it'll make all your melancholy about Nathaniel go away. Right. Um, because once you step into the fellowship of suffering with someone, they start to tell you more, mm-hmm. they show you more, but you also, I mean, for me as a physician um, and it's, it's, it's helped me to understand what I need to do more. And sometimes what I need to do is just to be still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really go into a whole bunch about my sister. I just disclosed that to step into the fellowship of suffering with him, mm-hmm. to be with him there and say, look, I, I, I still want to know more about Nathaniel, but I'm, I'm here. I'm with you. I see you. I feel you. And I get it. I, I really, <laughs> I get it. And it was just such a beautiful and special moment. It wasn't really sad. It was just this this trusting and psychologically safe space that we both got to be in together. Mm. So I think that like as, as time has marched on, I find myself thinking carefully about when is it appropriate to step into the fellowship
0: of suffering with people? Yeah. It isn't always. That's such a beautiful story and a beautiful illustration of how being able to connect with someone through a a brief narrative, like just deepens this well of empathy. And I like, you know, how you started the story being in the sense of that patient feeling seen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just need to be seen Mm -hmm. in our pain and suffering in order to find healing. I've been thinking a lot about suffering actually. And I, um, Mm -hmm was talking to my pastor yesterday um, Mm -hmm. after the service about some things. And, you know, again, this, um, this idea of suffering is something that we're supposed to avoid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, you know, he reminded me of that scene from, uh, I don't know. Did you see inside out? Yeah, (laughs) I did. Disney movie like Uh at the the end where, you know, the, the little, the little bundle of happiness was just so set on like trying to find like the happiness and all these things and recognizing there's actually beauty and being able to hold spaces for both the mm-hmm. joy and the suffering mm-hmm. of life and being able to do that with other people is, is beautiful.
1: I also realize now, these years later, uh, that at any time when someone sees me, you mm-hmm. know, I am probably very, very, very happy about something. Yeah, very, very yeah. grateful about something. And, and, and sad about something at the same time. And there's a part of me that will always, always be sad about my sister passing away when she did and how she did, always. Mm-hmm. And I, I I realize that I don't want that to go away. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong, I need it to be manageable, but I get this act of him putting that hat on his head that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if he knew like that's going to put me acutely close to how I feel about this yeah that, but that, that's okay sometimes I actually want I want to step into that I knew that if I told this story it was gonna make me cry but I think that I'm okay with
0: that yeah mm-hmm. yeah I was like well, I'm
1: not gonna cry because <laughs> <laughs> you'd be letting me cry by myself I see how you, do. No. you know I,
0: mean? I felt it coming on I was like oh, I know I was God. looking
1: you in your face I was trying to draw it out of you but- <laughs> It's all right that's all right because um me and my patient we cried together yeah we so don't need you to cry with us
0: no it's all <laughs> good but I know that that sentiment too of um wearing things that bring you closer to folks that you've lost
1: are you willing to tell me what you've worn
0: <laughs> um I have um I have some of my grandmother's pajamas that I wear sometimes
1: I love that. I love that. I love that.
0: Oh man, <laughs> I love
1: that. They're like a hug.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right when I need it.
1: Mm. Have you laundered them? Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> she, okay. just, she wouldn't appreciate if I did. <laughs> well, you know, because it took me a while to launder some things that smelled like my sister. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Oh, Lord. All right. I'm going to have to pull it together before my next meeting. So (laughs) we we have both boohoo cried right before we had to go do something really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I have editorial power, so I can also just, you know, you better not either. (laughs) Better not edit this out (laughs) because we're in the, we're in fellowship.
1: Yeah. We're in fellowship. Absolutely. And um, always, we always want to feel it, always. Sis. I love you and I appreciate you listening to me today yeah. and being
0: in a fellowship with me. I appreciate you too, even though I uh, got to choose this story that I was sure was not going to make me cry. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't think it was going to make you cry either, but you know, here, for it. Here, here we are. Yep. Here we are. All right. Have the best, best day. Likewise. Happy yes. Juneteenth. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast.
1: Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and
0: production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnes and the Clinical Problem Solvers. Our Med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of
1: you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.